0: You are listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw to a looking. Flips it
1: down, the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! Unbelievable! Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away?
0: The I the hit of that man
1: to
2: help you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, Waddle, to a shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown,
0: it. it's Waddle, his sixth touchdown, six touchdown pass of, of the day. Drive Time with Travis Wingfield begins now.
1: Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up.
2: What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network covering your team, your team. Miami Dolphins. How's it going everybody? I am your host Travis Wingfield and on today's show we continue our divisional preview series and our walk and talks. I'll have Jeff Wilson with me today on the podcast as well as James Rapine breaking down the AFC North from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast.
0: First? Yeah.
2: Let's kick it off today with my interview with Dolphins running back Jeff Wilson. What's up guys? Travis Spinkford here. Another edition of 100 Yards. My guest today, Jeff Wilson. Let's go ahead and make a way down the field there, Jeff. Yes, sir. So, you got here last year mid-season. I'm always curious to hear about how guys incorporate into a new locker room and just kind of how that whole process went for you.
1: Yeah, um it was kind of it was kind of smooth, I would say, because like you said, um obviously we had a couple guys that I was familiar with in the locker room already and um those guys were kind of like I guess good outlets for me are good resources for me to the other guys to let them know kind of who I was and what I was about. And so um, once they did that, and then I came in and they seen how I worked and then how I played, shoot, it was just like a, a match made from heaven. I don't know, everybody was locked in, coaches and players, even people around the facility.
2: Got to help having your teammate Raheem Mostert here in town. He was talking oh, about God. this offseason, how they kind of wanted to get you guys back together. How pumped you to have the entire room back together? plus a rookie in Devon Aicheng.
1: Man, that's that's crazy. And that's, uh, around this league, you know, that's almost unheard of for you to have guys that stick around like that, especially the same exact ones from the previous year. And then to add on those young guys, man, watching them out here work and, and run and, and be happy and excited about it. You know, it brings back memories from when I was a rookie, but to see them enjoying it and, and, and thriving in that passion, that love for the game, it's another beautiful sight to see. you to be one of the old heads at this point. Yeah, career, that's right? what it's I'm just, saying. It's so weird. It happens so fast. It does. It's kind of crazy, It really man. does.
2: And speaking of, you know, your, your upbringing in the league, you yeah. know, the story about you and Coach McDaniel meeting and the scouting process of all that, I just kind of wanted to get your measure of how he, as a coach, and how, like, going from, you know, run game coordinator to head coach here, how he's grown as a pro since you saw him from that day at your workout back in college to now as a head coach of the Miami Dolphins?
1: Uh, you know, um, every year you want to try to improve, and um, and I would say in this game, in this fashion, in this field that we're in, um, if you're not improving, you're losing. So, um, you know, from the moment I make Knight tonight, it's like he's he's changed dramatically. You know what I mean? Not even to say that as a person, but his knowledge of the game, his mindset of the game, where he wants to be, where he wants to go, you can tell it when he talk and you can feel it when he walk you mm-hmm. know what I mean and that's kind of the whole thing about Mike he means what he say and he's going to do what he say and uh, he's been doing all that ever since I've been here and, and still is so he's going to do everything for this program everything for this team and that's always been Mike and he's going to always put us in the right direction
2: and we love hearing that about the coach we hear it all the time from all the guys so yes, sir. you got
1: a couple of football camps coming up right back yes, back home in Texas yes, tell sir. us about those yes uh, sir i got one uh, in my in my high school uh, where i grew up Elkhart High School it's going to be the first one back home. Uh, it's all-free camp, ages 8, 15. Then at uh, 17, that's on June 16th. And June 17th, we're going to go right up to Dallas and have another one at the Academy, First Baptist Academy. Uh, pull up 11. It's all from 11 to 1. Uh, bring your kids. Let's have fun. Turn up. There
2: you go. So you can learn football there. But also, I'm curious, we're on like the two-yard line here. When you get the ball down here and you score a touchdown, we got anything in the score for us this year, some new celebrations maybe?
1: Oh, man, we're going to have fun this year. That's what I said. Now we're acquainted, we're affiliated, we're back at home. Everybody kind of knows who I am. So once they see it, they just not acting like, oh, he's just, they actually know that's me. So we definitely having fun in the end zone this year. Good stuff. Appreciate, yes, Appreciate that, boss. Yes,
2: Kind of see a theme developing here, don't you, on the podcast? All these guys and the team, just so easy to talk to and so likable. And and playing for your favorite team obviously helps, but also so easy to root for these guys uh, when they have personalities like the ones they do have. So again, thanks to Dolphins running back Jeff Wilson. Let's go ahead and take our first break right here and come back on the other side and continue our summer preview series. The AFC North is up today. James Rapine is going to be my guest. Here on the Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by Auto Nation. And joining us now today is a former colleague of mine. He's now the publisher of All Bengals and All Bearcats, really holding down that Cincinnati uh, reporting sector of our, our country here. Locked on Bengals as well in the big chair there, James Rapine. James, long time, man. How you doing? I'm doing well.
0: I appreciate you having me. How are you?
2: I'm very good. Very happy to have you on here. Did you have a, a break in the Locked on Bengals hosting? Didn't you go somewhere else for a minute?
0: Yeah, it it, it kind of is, is fitting because I, I think I'm pretty qualified to discuss this division, maybe more so than some of the other reporters in the division because I covered Cleveland. So I, I was in the division and it was around Miles Garrett and Baker Mayfield and Freddie Kitchens and and during that era. So yeah.
2: And I think this is one of the divisions to me that has like the maybe maybe besides the NFC East the best like rivalry at every single game that you get like mm-hmm. all these teams when they match up it's like a fun little back and forth with the fans and and the history between these teams here and not to mention I think this is one of the best divisions in football as we head into 2023 and so with that I'll start this podcast where I've started all these divisional previews here by just asking you to give us the kind of 30,000 foot view of the AFC North obviously you know we have our own division storylines out here in the AFC East, but as you kind of go into the, you know, I guess the summer, the the dead period, as it were, of the NFL, and you look forward to training camps, what are some of the things you're keeping an eye on here with the division as a whole in the AFC North?
0: I think one of the biggest storylines is certainly what happens in Cleveland with Deshaun Watson. Is he the guy that we saw in 2020 play for Houston? And, and obviously before that, a few years prior, just become one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Or is it the guy that missed a year, and was suspended. And then at the end of the season, um, you you know, certainly struggled last year. That's, that's such a storyline because if so, if he is that elite quarterback, still this division to me, and it might be anyways, but is the best division in football because top to bottom, there's, there is either a complete team in the Steelers with a question at quarterback, but outside of that, you like that roster overall. And then three other teams that have top 10 QBs like Lamar Jackson's a former MVP and I know some aren't as high on him, but the dude is, is a baller and it's a quarterback's league. And so you have Lamar with actual weapons for the first time in his career. I, and maybe I wouldn't go that far, but he certainly has more weapons now than he's ever had Uh, the Browns, I I think did well in in the trenches and obviously uh, are, have been able to build around Deshaun Watson. and, And then we know what the Bengals have done. So. I think that this is the best division in football. And I know the NFC West last year was, was or AFC West, excuse me, was getting a ton of run and that disappointed. I don't think the North will disappoint this year. I think it's going to be a really competitive division. And, and so that's what stands out. If Deshaun Watson is the guy the Browns hope he is, then th- this is a, a very real four-team race for the AFC North title.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I thought they had one of the best offseasons as well. You talked about adding to that defense and getting some real key parts up on that defensive line. We'll come back to them and talk about them. I think they're fourth in my lineup here. Uh, with the Cleveland Browns. So we're going to go back to the reigning division champions, the uh, kind of the team that's that's ran that in terms of playoff success the last couple of years, where you currently are stationed with the fellow team in Ohio, the Cincinnati Bengals. You mentioned Joe Burrow and kind of what he's done for that team and that division and just kind of taking the reins there for the Cincinnati Bengals. And I, I guess I start here at the Bengals with this question, James, because, you know, it, it, it's a team that you would assume, I, I think for most, you know, most teams in that position might be super aggressive, but for the Bengals, you know we've we've heard all the stuff about how they, you know, putting the putting the money in escrow, getting ready for Joe Burrow's big contract extension. I'm curious how you see that and their free agency period this off season kind of pair together because they made the one big move in Orlando Brown Jr. They lost some pieces too. Just kind of give us the uh, the overview of the Bengals off season and how Joe Burrow's contract looming impacted that.
0: I think it did some. I, I think that is as much as. Fans might have wanted to see, you know, another big move or another splashy move. The Orlando Brown Jr. signing, at least as of now, and it depends on how it works. They've had a lot of good free agency signings, but is the best free agent signing they've had. Certainly the most surprising that they've had maybe during this run. And they've added a bunch of guys in free agency. DJ Reader, Chido but uh, Mike Hilton, uh, Trey Hendrickson, uh, all guys that they've added that that have contributed in a huge, huge way. And so to go get alignment of his caliber, they added Alex Kappa last year, Lyle Collins, Ted Karras guys that contributed and started last year and made a difference in the trenches, but getting Orlando Brown jr. I think it, it's arguably the biggest free agent addition in team history because this, this franchise didn't do that. That's not how they yeah. used to build their teams, even when they had success in the past. And so I think that that was a huge get. I think it's going to have a, a major impact, but Yeah. You're starting to see younger guys on defense start to emerge. You know, they're going to be reliant on cam Taylor Britt this year, second rounder from last year to start at cornerback. They, they drafted miles Murphy in the first round and he's a defensive end. Well, could that be Trey Hendrickson's replacement long-term or Sam Hubbard's they're, they're going to have to allocate more resources to offense because they drafted burrow and drafted Higgins and drafted chase and, So as you do that, you're going to have to get younger on defense and they've had so much success in free agency, adding these, these guys on their second contracts in the NFL, that it's just shifting a little bit. So I don't think it had a huge impact. I think they planned on being aggressive and and they kind of knew that they were going to lose some of those guys. Jesse Bates negotiations just were never close over the past couple of years. And they knew that Von Bell, I think it, it came down to a third year and they didn't give him a third year. Instead, they got Nick Scott. For a a cheaper deal from the Rams and and we'll see if that works out. So certainly some risks, some question marks, but overall I do think that they're better now than they were when they lost in the AFC title game in January.
2: Yeah. They do seem to be one of those teams in the enviable position where they can kind of draft for future playing and the way they did it last year, I think with both decks, uh, Daxon Hill brain fart there for a second. You mentioned Cam Taylor Britt to kind of, you know, offset a loss of a, a Jesse Bates and a Von Bell there. And you talk about Trey Hendrickson as well. It's just really smart drafting to be able to put yourself in a position where you can potentially have a replacement, you know, the second year of their career opposed to just trying to, you know, put a rookie into your biggest need. And I think they did a good job there. I think they did a good job the last couple of years of building the offensive line. You mentioned that And that's kind of where I think this team, you know, a lot of their success hinges on that, on that offensive line, right? Because if they can get healthy play from those guys up front you know lyle Collins. i don't think played to the level they they hoped he would last year mentioned ted karras and uh, alex kappa have to have pretty high expectations for the offensive line to really help joe burrow stay upright stay clean if he does that he's as good as anybody else in the league right
0: yeah i think i'm not sure there's a quarterback in the league mahomes included that could have done what burrow's done the past two years with the offensive lines that he's had and the the adversity that he's faced I mean, he, he was coming off of that torn ACL, and you, you go into that that 2021 season, and that offensive line still wasn't good, and they were still working through some things, and multiple guys that started for them in the Super Bowl, in Super Bowl 56, didn't even get into a camp that following summer. So you go from February to that summer, and they weren't even in an NFL camp, and they've never played Uh, or participated in another NFL practice. So getting them to that point with that line, I think Joe Burrow deserves a ton of credit for that. And then last year, same thing, the offensive line had its issues. You're right. Lyle Collins was battling some injuries. Uh, Jonah Williams played through a dislocated kneecap for the majority of the year. And, And so they were underwhelming at times, but they also showed flashes of being just a solid unit i wouldn't say like league but you know top 10 or anything like that but just a solid unit and that's when this offense started to to show what it could do and they won 10 straight and got really close to making it to a second straight super bowl and so yeah this year i think expectations are the highest they've been during this run because i don't really see a a glaring hole on the offensive line for the first time since joe burrow was drafted
2: really the entire roster. And, you know, going back to that Super Bowl team when they just lost to the Rams there in the final minutes of that game. Wasn't there, a, wasn't it like all 11 players on that defense that started that Super Bowl were like free agents from the last couple of years? Something crazy like that, right? I,
0: I think they were all, they might've all been new additions. They had some guys that they had drafted, like Logan Wilson, okay. Jermaine Pratt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, So there were some draft picks in there, Jesse Bates, but they might've all been, New. I'm trying to think if there were any holdovers. I I I think you're right that there probably weren't. And I yeah. would have to look to make sure, but it, that sounds correct.
2: No, Duke Tobin just doing a great job up there with the Bengals and getting that thing really turned around and turning them into a you know a a a a mainstay, I should say in the AFC North and the AFC playoffs. So we'll look forward to seeing that a team that we're going to have to see probably, you know, in that position for a long time to come here. You mentioned Orlando Brown Jr. They retained uh Jermaine Pratt, like you talked about there. Cody Ford, Sidney Jones, Irv Smith. You, you talked about kind of some, some uh, high risk, high reward there in terms of the free agency. I think there's a lot of opportunity there with those guys. And I, you know, I, I kind of did this exercise here, looking at this roster, like, really not many holes, man. I, I don't, you talk mm-hmm. about the offensive line, really the entire roster looks that way. So I think this probably has to be, I would assume the division favorite because for a long time there, this division was ran by two other teams. We'll, got, we'll talk about here next. And the Baltimore Ravens, the first one that I think kind of has been at the top of the division there for a while. You mentioned off the top Lamar Jackson, getting his contract and now getting equipped with weapons. I'm curious how you see that offense evolving this year, you know, going from what it was previously under Greg Roman and all the, Heavy run principles to now make a switch and go out and get an Odell Beckham Jr. and you have Rashad Bateman and uh, you draft um, Zay Flowers in the first round as well. Are we going to see a different style of offense in Baltimore, or is it going to be more of the same? Just has more flavor to it.
0: No, I think it's going to be a different offense, and and a big reason why is Todd Munkin, their new offensive coordinator. You're right. You know, you you change from Greg Roman, who clearly put Lamar Jackson in a position to succeed, and you go to Munkin. And he's going to air it out. I think you're going to see this become a pass-first offense. Now, will it be successful? I think that's, that's a big question, but I, I think that's how you have to be. Welcome to the NFL in 2023. Yep. Even with Lamar Jackson, as dynamic as he is as a runner, he can make plays with his arm. We've seen that. He can you know complete deep passes and, 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 and slants and different things like that. And, and, yeah, you look at their weapons. Odell Beckham Jr., doesn't have to be the the 2014 Odell he's just got to be a solid starting wide receiver because if they have that Zay Flowers adds a bit to them they, they, they just they haven't had that like the bar is so low for their starting receivers in Baltimore that if they get that combined with a Mark Andrews combined with a running game and they still will run the ball no doubt about it and, and that defense which we know is is one of the NFL's best I, I think that uh, They're they're a force to be reckoned with. And and part of it is is pretty simple. Lamar Jackson is one of the best players in the league. And I think he's going to show that. I know it got weird with the contract and people were questioning him. And there was all this stuff. That's fine. That can be uncomfortable. But now it's done. And so when they get on the field, we know that number eight is still one of the best quarterbacks in the in the world.
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that what J.K. Dobbins does, because you know, they've always had so much success running the football with varied running backs. But I think that Dobbins takes him from, you know, getting really good production out of maybe an average, you know, capable running back. And he's one of those top tier guys, I think, and really with his talent, make it that running game, you know, fire on all cylinders to complement Lamar Jackson. And then that obviously makes the passing game better. But I think it all starts with an area that I want to ask you about from an opponent's perspective, you know, being uh, a Bengals uh, covering the Bengals. I'm curious because like for a long time, this offensive line was kind of the bread and butter of the team but Ronnie Stanley's had so many injuries the last couple of years as one of the best left tackles before the injuries started to take their toll. Uh, Patrick McCurry played a bunch last year, Morgan Moses. We see on the inside, Kevin Zeitler's there now, Andrew Voorhees, a high draft pick a couple of years or this last year, Daniel Faleli a couple of years ago and Tyler Linderbaum in the first round. When you look at the offensive line, is that a group that, you know, we, when you talk about a Bengals Ravens preview, are you worried about the offensive line? Like, how do you view that group? Because to me, it kind of is the engine that drives this offense with Lamar
0: Jackson. Yeah, I, I think the tackle play is the the big question mark because can Stanley stay healthy? We know how talented he is and, and how good of a player he is when healthy, but that is a, a huge fly in the ointment, so to speak, when it comes to that left tackle spot and right tackle Morgan Moses. I think he leaves a little bit to be desired. There's some some health stuff with him in the past, and, and he's uh it, it's not like he's 24 either. So there are some questions at tackle. I like their interior. I loved Tyler Linderbaum coming out and I know good. some were worried about his size and, and different stuff like that. And I, I was all over him last year for the Bengals in round one. I don't think they were in on him in round one anyways, but he didn't even make it there because Baltimore saw, I think what I saw. And, and I think he's already one of the best centers in the league. And, uh, I, I think a, a guy that, not that I think a, a player that, not only the Bengals, but the Browns know well, this division knows well. Kevin Zeitler, Mm -hmm. he's one of the better guards still, a a veteran guard that has aged very well. And I, I know he wants a new deal, but I expect him to play well this year. So you look at that interior, Ben Cleveland, we'll see if he'll take a step, but I really like Zeitler and Linderbaum a lot, but you're right. It isn't the offensive line of a few years ago. They lost Orlando Brown jr. At right tackle. Obviously Ronnie Stanley was healthy then you don't have those guys uh, and and you you take a little bit of a step back at tackle, and we'll see. I still think they're they're solid in that area, but the the depth isn't what it once was,
2: and which could you know that's one of those. <clears throat> I always look at like what are trapdoor scenarios for teams where if, if you know event A and B happens, then X and Y could be the result of that. In this division, if you're not solid at tackle, man, teams can take advantage of that with what we have off the edge with TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, you've got Trey Hendrickson over there in Cincinnati. So plenty of pass rush in this division. And I think one of the more curious parts about this team, and injuries seem to hit this Ravens team every single year in a way that just kind of deflates them, even though they still find ways to win games and make playoff appearances. But no one's gotten hit by the injury bug harder than the ravens the last couple of years and i want to take the conversation over to the defensive side of the football because we saw this ravens defense last year in week 2 as you know miami dolphins and the dolphins went up and down the field scored 40 something points in that game or maybe it's 38 40 i don't know 42 or something uh, a great comeback win for the dolphins offense uh, getting touchdowns you know at will in the fourth quarter but that was a pretty banged up secondary at that time going up against two of the best receivers in the game and a, and a hot quarterback in Tua Tagovailoa how does this defense how did it kind of come together in the second half of the season? Because they played a lot better down the stretch than they did early on.
0: They did. And they gave this Bengals offense fits in in that final week of the regular season. And and then obviously in the playoff game as well, where it it really came down to the wire, even though Tyler Huntley was in at quarterback and you look at it. And I think that the, the thing that changed their defense last year, and I know people try to say linebackers don't matter. And that could be the case for, a lot of the league, but a guy like Roquan Smith matters. He is such a difference maker in this defense. You notice 18, j- just watching them. It's like, where is he? Oh, there he is. And and he just pops out. Uh, he was getting in Jamar Chase's ear. He was making tackles, making plays all over. And I, I think that that's, that, that was such a great trade for them because it injected new life and raised the level, raised the floor of this Ravens defense, which not many linebackers can do. And part of that had to do, they they picked Patrick queen in the first round a few years ago. And I, I don't think he's lived up to, to expectations. So you go get a guy in Smith that, you know, can be that type of game changer. So there are some questions pass rush wise. Are they going to take a step forward? Are some of these young guys is going to take a step forward as a pass rusher? Do they go out and, and bring back, um, Justin, um, uh, Justin Houston. Do they do that? I'm not sure, but I think that they that uh, they could use another pass rusher, but we certainly saw that they could be effective, and by the end of the year, I don't want to say they had the Bengals number, because the, the Bengals were working right. through some injuries as well, but uh, they were able to slow down Joe Burrow and company, which is really tough to do.
2: I think those games were closer than most folks expected, especially that playoff game going on because yeah. against Tyler Huntley. You know, that, that wasn't a 98-yard fumble return for a touchdown or something late, in that game kind of swung that game and, and basically put it on ice after it was going to be, you know, come down to the wire there late. But just looking at this Ravens' defensive roster, it's just – it's such a trope to say this James but I always feel like they have like true Baltimore Ravens on their roster every single year and Roquan Smith seems to be one of those guys you know you talk about o- o- Adolphe Owe was one of the guys Justin Matabuke Michael Pierce and that secondary Marlon Humphrey and Kyle Hamilton like there's names all over that defense so I think this Ravens team if you think they're going to go away anytime soon I think you'd be remiss to say that so it's it's a fun division battle here with those two teams let's go ahead and take our last break first before I do that though I want to remind you guys Dolphins will go to Baltimore in week 17 to face the ravens on sunday december the 31st for a one o'clock kickoff that's the only game inside the afc north for the dolphins this season let's go ahead and take our last break right there and come back on the other side and talk steelers and browns with my guest today james rapine on the drive time podcast your host travis wingfield brought to you by auto nation back here on a AFC North preview edition of the drive time podcast my guest today from locked on Bengals all Bengals all Bearcats he is all everything Cincinnati James Rapine we're breaking down the AFC North and we're going to go ahead and pivot now to a team that went through a bit of a transition year last year and still miraculously I was certain James the streak was going to come to an end last year it did not. Still no losing seasons for Mike Tomlin after what was like two and six or something, but they go to a rookie quarterback off the bench and he kind of sparks them for a run there down the back part of the schedule there. I'm curious, you know, it, I always like getting the opponent's perspective of these teams because you have such a good feel for the rest of the division here. Was that Steelers run? Was it repeatable? Do you think it was a, a, a mirage as far as the schedule goes? Like, What was your take on the way they finished that year and continued to get Mike Tomlin to not have a losing season?
0: I think they're a really good team. And I think I'm in the minority, certainly in Cincinnati. I I think there's this narrative that the Steelers just stink now and they don't, they have a question mark at quarterback. But when I look at this roster, there's a lot of guys. I like a lot of difference makers still that, that can be game changers. Obviously you have Cam Hayward on defense, TJ, Watt. that alone, you just start with those two guys. It's like, all right, you have the inside guy. You have the outside guy every offensive coordinator stays up at night thinking about those two. You add in Alex Highsmith and they can get pressure. And in a passing league, if you can get pressure, you feel good about it. And on offense, I like a lot of their weapons. They've added offensive line pieces over the past couple of years to, yeah. to upgrade the, the floor. I think of that unit, because that's been their biggest issue outside of Ben Roethlisberger at the end of his career, that's been their biggest issue. I would say is offensive line play. So I think this is a really solid roster, Travis. And, and I, I'm not going to be shocked at all if that streak continues. In fact, I would probably be surprised the other way if the really? Steelers finished with a losing record. I would.
2: Yeah, the offensive line is it's a great place to start because I, I just look at this group and you know to me, I thought Broderick Jones was OT one personally. I don't think everyone felt that way, but I thought he was a great pick there. And then Isaac Somalo was one of the best free agent guards. They could have added a, a year after they bring in James Daniels as one of the top free agent interior offensive linemen as well. So they've kind of done a good job of rebuilding that front and especially to kind of complement what Najee Harris offers in that backfield. We know what he can do, but I, I think we have to ask the question about the quarterback because again, you know, I thought he got hot late. I thought the schedule kind of helped him to do that. The Steelers won some tight ball games late down the stretch, but certainly showed you some signs. I thought his ability to kind of get off script on third downs and, and play in time and on rhythm was pretty good for a rookie quarterback. Just want to hear your take on Kenny Pickett's first year and, and what fans can expect for a second season there in Pittsburgh.
0: I expect him to be okay. And I know that's not like the the, the best take in the world, but I, I don't expect him to to cost them a bunch of games and throw a bunch of interceptions. I also don't think he's the next Joe Burrow. I don't think he's the next big thing quarterback-wise in the AFC. I, I don't. And, and that's okay because this Steelers organization, the Steelers team, the, the, the franchise, they're all built from Mike Tomlin to the front office on down. To have an okay quarterback, yeah, and get the most out of him and just looking with what he's working with i expect kenny to kenny pickett to play at a a solid level i think back to uh the 20 let's say 2012 Bengals, and and that was andy dalton's second season they, they made the playoffs his first year went nine and seven the second year they made the playoffs again you look at those rosters and they weren't amazing but they played solid defense and they had some weapons and the quarterback didn't turn the ball over. And I I think that's what Kenny Pickett will do. And it's a tough division. Like I said, I think it's the best division in the NFL. But if he can do that, I I think that they can keep their head above water water and and be competitive and be in the playoff mix.
2: I think one of the things that makes this division so intriguing is that you have so many teams that just – Know who they are. And I, I talked yeah. about it on the other side with the Ravens, like always drafting Baltimore Ravens. The Steelers are the exact same way to me. I look on the defensive side of the football, and their off-season was basically check checking boxes of that guy's a Pittsburgh Steeler. We're gonna go, go ahead and bring him in. Like Larry Ogan, Joby, I think he's made his entire tour on the AFC North at this point. Uh Patrick Peterson seems like an absolute Steeler fit for me, especially the kind of transition he made last year to playing more off and more zone where he gets eyes on the quarterback Alandon Landon Roberts we know him here well as a thumper in the middle of defense Demonte KZ Keanu Neal all these guys mm-hmm. I'm curious how you see this defense kind of coming together here with you know hopefully a, a healthy TJ Watt Minka Fitzpatrick to the very best of their positions but is this is this going to be closer to the steel curtain of old or was last year more reflection of kind of an aging defense that might be kind of you know past its prime years
0: no, I, I think that they, they can have one of the better defenses in the NFL because they, they can do a lot of what you need to be able to do, pressure the quarterback, and they have playmakers on the back end. You you mentioned it with Mika Fitzpatrick. He's, he's a heck of a safety, and, and he can do a lot, and he's versatile, and he'll move around, and, and he'll make big plays and force fumbles and, and catch interceptions, and so you, you got to be aware of him. But I, I agree with you with Patrick Peterson. It, it's the type of landing spot where – He's just going to go under the radar and, and be like not the star that he used to be, but be that solid presence in the cornerback room that they needed, because that's an area that ha- has been hit or miss at times. But what better guy to help mentor Joey Porter Jr. than, than a guy like Patrick Peterson that worked out really, really well for the Steelers. So I, I like this defense a lot. You're right. Larry Ogunjobi it, it is a, an under the radar type move. He made an impact in Cincinnati a few years ago during that Super Bowl run. And last year, obviously, played for the Steelers, and they re-signed him again. So I'm excited that he got a multi-year deal. I know he was looking for it. He certainly deserves it, and I think he's a big part of their defense as well.
2: Yeah, I feel like the league might have messed up, letting Joey Porter fall to the second round and just put that chip <laughs> on his shoulder with pops in his ear to help that chip grow a little bit. That's going to be a fun combination to watch there in Pittsburgh for a long time. He's he's such an impressive player. that I'm, I can't wait to see what he does uh, his rookie year and beyond. Let's go ahead and finish up the AFC North here with the last team we have not yet discussed in the Cleveland Browns. And you let off the, the open of the show, talking about storylines, talking about who I think is one of the biggest storylines in the entire National Football League, because I, like you, think this Cleveland Browns roster, they are ready to win and win right now. And that's probably the entire idea of the investment into a quarterback that they knew was going to have to sit out most of the 2022 season. And it didn't, he got back on the field And I'd love to hear your take on this as someone who watches this division so closely, watches these teams so closely. It was bad, James. Like, and Mm -hmm. my question is, was that because of a layoff? Was it because of, you know, it's been just a distraction of a couple of years for him. I'm curious why you think the performance of Deshaun Watson fell off so much late down the stretch last year and can it get fixed and revert back to what he was in Houston?
0: I think it was all of the above and, and so everything that <laughs> sure. that you that you stated w- was a factor but i'll get to the thing that i think is the 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 most that had the most impact it's pressure yeah and when you go through everything and a lot of it's obviously self-inflicted but the stuff that Deshaun has has gone through and again i'm not painting him to be a mart. a lot of it's self-inflicted but when when you do that and then you sign the NBA max deal and you have your agent out there saying that's a max contract in the, in all of those things. All right. Well, then there's, there's pressure that comes with that. And I know it firsthand that there's a certain pressure that comes with being a member of the Cleveland Browns and he better perform this year. He better be comfortable with that pressure, that weight that you have on your shoulders. Cause if you perform, you're going to be a hero, Mm -hmm. but he did not perform last year. And I, I think it was that as much as anything, but he's going to be feeling that. And so I think it's important for this Browns team to get off to a quick start. They play the Bengals week one, September 10th. They need to get off to a quick start. If they're going to be a playoff team, just because culture, identity, all of those things, none of that's established. And it's really hard. Even a guy as talented as, as Deshaun Watson to overcome that kind of pressure, because it's not like big game pressure. It's like life pressure like I, I I don't even know how to describe it i've I haven't experienced it but I can only imagine what what goes through your head after all of the stuff from signing that deal and getting suspended and coming back and everything off the field so we'll see but I, I think that that's the part of it he needs to make sure he's he's able to handle that pressure and, and go out there and be the guy that that he was in Houston because if he is you're right this roster it's, it's really talented and they'll be right there in this in this division.
2: I just looking at the the offensive lineup behind what could arguably be the best offensive line in football too. Like, I don't know if there's many you would take over this. I mean, like Nick Chubb is to me, one of the top two or three backs in the NFL. I think David Njoku is one of the top tight ends in the NFL. And then at receiver, it's not like you, you don't have your Tyreek and Jalen Waddle, but you've got, or your Jamar Chase and your uh, T Higgins, but you've got, I mean, <laughs> Elijah Moore, I think is a really good player. I think he's uh, has yeah. a really good chance to, to bounce back and get back to his rookie season production. I like Donovan people's Jones. I think Amari Cooper's super, super good player. Uh, just they're loaded there, man, behind an offensive line. Like I said, that can really create some space in the running game there. So uh, that side of the ball, it, it just, for most teams, it goes back to the quarterback but For this team. Man, that could be a big swing for them offensively. Let's talk about the defense though here, because you know they have one of the greats in Miles Garrett on that on that defensive line, rushing the quarterback. They did a good job this year, I think, of going out and supporting him. Where last year, James, it seemed like the defensive line was kind of an issue for them. How did you feel they addressed that that uh, weakness from a year ago and improve the defensive line around Miles Garrett?
0: They did a great job. They did, and they needed to. And you know, you, you have Miles Garrett, and you got and you get Dalvin Tomlinson. You, you go out and you get Zadarius Smith, and, and you just feel much better about the depth there. Now you're not banking on Perry and Winfrey in year two to be a huge, huge contributor. Yes, he can contribute, but you don't have to have him make a jump. You already have a guy like Denzel Ward. You go out and get a guy, Super Bowl champ, and Juan Thornhill, who I liked a lot, and I thought the Bengals might be in on. Obviously, you have Greg Newsom as well. Like, I, I like what they've done defensively, and the other part of this that I, I think is big is you bring in a guy that might be able to help the culture and and help winning in Jim Schwartz, who has Super Bowls, who's coached high-end defenses. And so th- this staff is is on the you talk about pressure. This staff, there's a lot of pressure. And Jim Schwartz has able has been able to respond to that throughout his career as a defensive coordinator. So we'll see if he can do it again. But there's certainly talent. And anytime you're starting, much like with the Steelers where you you have guys that can get after the quarterback and guys on the back end that can cover miles Garrett, Denzel Ward and Greg Newsome. That's a heck of a a trio to start with. And then they've added those pieces. Like I said, that uh, should, should make a difference in Cleveland.
2: It feels like the entire AFC, not the entire AFC, but a lot of these teams in this conference just have where you can go down the entire roster and like they are two or three deep in all these spots, man, I'm looking at this defense and and the offense too. Like I mentioned, and you mentioned Juan Thornhill uh, um, and Zadaria Smith and Dalvin Tomlinson. I thought Ethan Posick was a great acquisition. Oboe yeah. uh formerly of the Houston Texans as well. So, man, they went out more aggressive. And it, it it tracks because they use those draft picks and the salary to go get the quarterback. And now you kind of have to fill in the roster around him. And they certainly have done that. So, man, what a fun division this is going to be. And a good spot for us to kind of do our last segment here, the division superlatives, uh, talking about the best in your estimation, James Rapine's top quarterback here in a really good AFC North. I have to imagine taking the hometown kid, but I'll ask you anyway. Who's the best quarterback here in the AFC North?
0: It's Joe Burrow, and I, I don't think that that's you know the orange and black glasses that I'm wearing. I think it's the fact that he's been able to lead this team to back to back AFC North titles, back to back AFC Championship games, a Super Bowl appearance, and uh, he's been the best quarterback in this division in back to back years. I, I'm not really sure anyone can debate that. So. Yeah, I think he's the best quarterback right now. Could that change? Absolutely. But uh, as of now, I have him at the top.
2: It's crazy because to me, this, this division more than anyone I've done so far in these previews, like you have pretty clear answers for most of these spots, but like you also have a debate for who that second and third guy could be, whereas that's not always the case. Like in the AFC West, it's obviously Patrick Mahomes, right? Like, or or the Mm -hmm. NFC East, it's obviously Jalen Hurts, but like, it's an interesting conversation there because Lamar Jackson as that too, is really pushing up there. How about the, and this again, probably a Bengal here, but the best player on offense who is not a quarterback in the AFC North for you is?
0: It's Jamar Chase. And I I do think it's, I I don't want to say it's close, but you mentioned Nick Chubb. He's the best runner in the NFL to me. Like it, it, it is, you know, Christian McCaffrey is a better pass catcher and depending on the offense. So Nick Chubb is probably higher deserves a shout out than, than, uh, than most would realize, but yeah, I, it has to be Jamar. I mean, this kid, it's unbelievable. He's just 23 years old and he he's stronger now. And I, I see him almost every day. I I'm shocked. I was in on him pre-draft and I'm not, not afraid to, to mention that, but the fact that he's become this already, it, it's just wild what he's done and what Justin Jefferson's done for that matter. Those two young receivers are are amazing. Whatever they have, and whatever they're doing at LSU, they need to keep doing it.
2: Yeah, no kidding. And Alabama as well. I mean, that entire draft class that year with Waddle and Devontae, Smith, who have both been phenomenal players too. Gosh, we we are lucky in this time of a, this age of, of football fans to see those guys come into the league and do what they've done. And Jamar Chase from the word go was was fantastic. So easy pick there, I think. Uh, I just want to shout out a couple offensive linemen because we don't give enough love to them ever. But Wyatt Teller and Joel Batonio, the guards. Uh, for the Cleveland Browns. Just want to put their names in the podcast. that got mentioned because they deserve it. They're two great players uh, in important spots there for the Cleveland Browns. How about your best defensive player here in the AFC North?
0: This one's tougher because you you have guys like TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, Denzel Ward, but I'm going to go with Miles Garrett. I just, I think he's such a dominating force and hasn't necessarily had the structure that comes with being a Pittsburgh Steeler. And he's still been dominant. So if I had to pick one guy, it would be Miles.
2: I think it's a safe pick there. I mean, the former number one pick in the draft who just has lived up to it. But in every stretch of the word, I mean, gosh, physically the guys you talk about Jamar Chase and the way he looks, like Miles Garrett. True. My goodness, man. He's he's built in a lab. Superman. He, yeah. he really is. It's crazy. These pass rushers <laughs> just keep, I mean, Jalen Phillips, they put a picture of Jalen Phillips uh, coming off the practice field without a shirt on the other day. And it just blew up our entire Twitter. Like these guys, I, I don't understand how the human body hits those limits, but uh, that's, that's for those guys to, to work on, I suppose. But uh, best coach here in the AFC North. This one to me, maybe a little bit more uh, uh, controversial in terms of who the pick might be, but you said you had a, a locked, locked in pick here.
0: Yeah, there's three guys that, that you could make the argument. You could certainly make the argument for Zach Taylor recently. Uh, I, I would still uh, not pick him. And it's nothing really against Zach. It's just the fact that uh, John Harbaugh has done it for so long. But Mike Mike Tomlin's done it for so long, and I think done it better and done more with less yeah. in recent years. And so it's hard for me to, to go against him. And I know some Steelers fans are like, no way, Mike Tomlin can't get it. To-. Whatever, man, he gets the yeah. most out of his guys. Um, so I would still give it to Mike Tomlin.
2: Uh, I remember when uh, Eagles fans were talking about Andy Reid that way. I was like, dude, he's a great coach. You don't know what you had. Mike Tomlin's the absolute man. I love him. I love that pick. He's my pick as well. And uh, I, I think I know where we're going here, but I have to ask it: your division champion this year, will it be the Bengals for the third straight season?
0: No team in AFC North history, and we're talking about just over two decades, but no team in AFC North history has won the division three straight years. It's been such a competitive division that everything historically, and there's been some really good teams in this division says to, to pick the Bengals to win three straight. But if you think I'm going to sit here and bet against Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase and company, well, I'm not going to do that. I'll take the Bengals to win the division for a third straight year. I think it's going to be tough though, because I really do think this is the best division in football. I like all four rosters and man, it's, it's almost a shame because I think in a lot of divisions, th- these teams could push for division titles. And at least one of these teams is going to be on the outside looking in in January when the playoffs roll around.
2: I think we both agree. It would be nice to see some of the balance of power go back to the NFC because this conference is so dang good, man. Like it's you can have like uh, you can have like seven teams that make the playoffs and you could say I can see each one of those teams going to the Super Bowl. And that just never happens. Like usually your are six and seven seed. It's like, OK, they, they got in. It's a fun story, but they don't have a chance to compete. Against the top teams in the conference, but man, it's 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 seven, eight, nine teams deep at this point in the AFC. So crazy stuff. And this day, AFC North could be one of the pivotal ones in the division or in the conference, I should say, in terms of how the playoffs get determined this year. James, thank you so much for your time today, man. Can you tell us what you're working on, what the folks can look forward to in terms of Bengals coverage this summer?
0: And ju- I, and I will. Just so Dolphins fans don't crush me, I have the AFC East second. I think yeah, they're right there sure. too, which shows the strength of the conference. To to your point, I mean it's it's absolutely loaded. This summer, covering all things Bengals, there really is no offseason, Travis, as you know, and so allbengals.com, we're still doing the Lockdown Bengals podcast, plenty of good interviews coming up, we have uh, multiple coaches coming on this summer to discuss the offseason and preview the year, so uh, a lot of stuff, and if you're looking for more, I'm also on YouTube Cincinnati Bengals Talk, so you're right, I'm all things Bengals. All the time.
2: <laughs> oh, I love it, and also enjoy that prospect you guys out have out there on the baseball team as well. Man, he's been fun to watch the last couple of days.
0: Ellie De La Cruz, man. Oof. He says he's the fastest man on the planet. I'm. I'm not going to debate him. He can fly.
2: Uh, uh, Tyreek, might have something to say about that. He likes to uh, get in those debates as well. But that's he. He kind of reminds <laughs> me of Julio Rodriguez, man. Like it's it's fun when you get those young prospects in baseball that can kind of lift an entire organization. So enjoy it while you have it. And uh, James, again, thank you for your time today, man. We really appreciate it.
0: Of course. Thanks for having me.
2: And there he goes, James Rapine from all Bengals and locked on Bengals. Very helpful to get him on here with all of his expansive knowledge and coverage of that division over the last handful of years. All right, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Uh, Enjoy your holiday, everybody, July 4th tomorrow. We'll come back with you guys on Thursday to break down the NFC North and hear from Dolphins offensive lineman Rob Hunt. That's on July the 6th. Until then, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at at NFL and the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and Juice. Check out our YouTube channel for Dolphins Today, media availabilities, drive time, fish tank content, and so much more. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline Cameron, Daddy's coming home.